The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. So welcome back to Fired Up. This is Gordon Rudo, your host. Pleasure to be back with you folks today. Um, as you know, with Fired Up, we are here to, to give you the best stuff out there around uh, organizational success, give you the best ideas, the most engaging people, uh, the most interesting concepts. Uh, and for the most part, if you've been listening to the prior episodes, um, you'll notice that we've been primarily giving you authors and consultants and people who have worked uh, over numerous organizations or have tested their theories dozens of times. So, so we don't have as many people um, from an organization, a business leader who's sitting on top of a particular institution. And we've gone back and forth on this. My producers actually have been pushing me to have more and more business leaders. Um, but my goal is to have really compelling points of view. So when they offer me a head of HR or a CEO, um, I'll just continue to push for, do they really have something interesting com- and compelling and timely as a point of view for you to walk away with something meaningful? Um, so there's not too many of those that we've had so far. We're going to have some more. Um, but today, we're lucky to have one. Um, we've had a variety of different thought forms in the past, whether it's uh, Jeffrey Saltzman's Confidence Index or a way of orienting to, to change in organizations like Donna Markova's Thinking Talents, um, different technologies, um, social media technologies and so forth with Shell Holtz and Terry McKinsey around communication methods. But we have... Um, a different type of, of session today where we have a business leader who is, uh, is doing something really compelling and interesting. And it's a small company not everyone has heard of, but Inc. Magazine named it the coolest small company in the U.S. Uh, I think it was in around 2003. It's a business called Zingerman's. And not everyone, again, might have heard of this, but those who have, those who know Zingerman's, uh, know it well and have a degree of loyalty to this enterprise that is highly unusual. Uh, so we are lucky to have Ari Weiswig, who is the uh, co-owner and founding partner. Uh, so welcome, Ari. Good to have you today. Good to be here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, and I understand before we get into these questions that, that this company is now up to about a half a million visitors a year, but only started with about twenty thousand dollars. Is that is that true? Is that the data point that I have correct? Uh, it's well, sure. Paul and I started the deli in 1982. Uh, we had me and him and two employees. Uh, the original building was 1,300 square feet, and it is true. We borrowed twenty thousand dollars as a second mortgage on his house, and uh, my grandmother lent us two thousand. So you're only off by ten percent. 
<laughs> 22. Okay, that's that's a significant difference. Um, but that, you, you that was a load of money to start this thing with, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tell us about Zingerman's. What What is Zingerman's? For the people who don't know, and I know it's a variety of different things, coffee house, creamery, mail order business, it, it's a lot of different things. But it, when you're asked what yeah. is Zingerman's, what, what's your answer to that? Well, it's hard to give a really succinct answer for all the reasons that you just said. But uh, Paul and I started it as the deli back in 82, as I said. Uh, you know, everything we do revolves around traditional full-flavored foods. Uh, everything that we do is located in the Ann Arbor area. Uh, Delhi, you know, the original business, it's still uh, a little bit probably the biggest in terms of sales volume, but we've got everything in there from homemade chicken soup and chopped liver to artisan cheeses, olive oils, you know, vinegars, honeys, uh, all that sort of stuff, pastrami, corned beef, and everything. So we do lots of sandwich business and, and lots of retail items. And then uh, in the early 90s, and I can talk more about this later if you want, but we developed a, a vision for Zingerman's 2009, which was 15 years out, which outlined, in essence, what we're really doing now. I mean, to create this community of Zingerman's community of businesses with uh, separate uh, businesses within a, a, a greater community. Uh, we operate as one organization, but with these semi-autonomous pieces within it. And as you said, there's a, we have a Zingerman's Roadhouse, which is a full-service sit-down restaurant that's all regional American food, beers, and wines. We've got a bakery uh, that wholesales all over the area. We have a little creamery, so we make handmade cheese and, and gelato, coffee roasting, mail order, uh, Delhi and then Zing Train, which is our uh, training and consulting business, and we do training seminars on subjects like service. And that's the one that you got to look at this list and say, wow, that really sticks out. Um, you have all of these food businesses, and yet you have a training business. Uh, tell us how that evolved. Well, the, the vision for 2009, and then we've, we've since uh, built the, the vision for 2020 because 2009 is here, obviously. Uh, you know, it, it says that we want to do food or food-related businesses, that each one would have a managing partner or partners in it that uh, are really the ones in there every day driving it to greatness and, and who invest some money and, uh, you know, are the ones running it. Uh, and Maggie Bayless, who is the original uh, managing partner in Zing Train, which since added Stash Kazmierski, who's a second, uh, but that's her passion is training. And we had had a lot of requests for consulting and, you know, that sort of thing as we had grown and become quite well-known over the years. And, you know, we would turn down a lot, take a few. I mean, but it wasn't really our passion. And uh, her passion is training. And uh, really it took, you know, what we were already doing, which for, you know, most industries was probably fairly good. Uh, but, you know, not necessarily great and really elevated it to a level where we now sell training seminars. I mean, we have people coming from all over the country, really all over the world. Uh, in April, we had somebody from Germany. We had a woman from Japan. Uh, we've had people from Mexico and then all over the U.S. and, and Canada, of course, coming to, to learn. And we do, uh, it's really just what we teach. I mean, it's what we our people go on, too. I mean, they're small, they're interactive. Uh, we do stuff on leadership, on service, like I said, on Merchandising, we do one with Bo Burlingham uh, called Small Giants, which is based on his book, uh, which I highly recommend, uh, which we're actually in. Uh, we do uh, we do one on training systems, and, uh, you know, we have a good time with them. So uh, I think our listeners can start getting that this is something unusual here. You're a food business um, out of Michigan, and you're only in Michigan. You're a, a whole set of businesses, yep. but you're really a very local yep. um, enterprise, yep. and yet people flying yep. all over the world 
to see how you do what you do. And you made a choice to stay yep. in Michigan. Is that is that right? You you could have gone national. And, and tell us about how that kind of uh, landed. Well, I, I mean, anybody could do really whatever they want. I mean, it's, you know, the, the more typical growth path probably would be to open delis all over the area or all over the country or to sell the business. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with those approaches when we wrote the 2009 vision uh you know we specifically outlined that we were not interested in doing that uh not because it's bad it just doesn't interest us and and that our 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 vision for 15 years into the future at that time was you know just basically what we outlined that we would stay local to the ann arbor area we like to be in town we like to know the customers we like to know the people we work with we like to taste the food uh you know, for for us, it's not real rewarding to not be in the space. I mean, today we, you know, we'll do $35 million in sales this year, and we have 500 employees, so it's not like we haven't grown. Uh, it's just growing by creating these unique businesses and, and giving people uh, who, who are, you know, partners a chance to really help create a business of their own choosing and of their own making within the construct that, that we are in terms of our vision and our values and operating as one organization. So today there's 15 managing partners, and uh, we're working on a few new businesses, and hopefully we'll come to full fruition in the next few years, too. Well, let's talk about that after the break. You mentioned vision. You mentioned values in your book. You talk about principles quite a bit. We want to hear about your principles for our listeners to understand. This is one of the best examples in the U.S. and perhaps the world around service, around how to treat customers like royalty and how it has manifested from a small business to a uh, $35 million business with 500 employees. It's a spectacular story. So we're going to take a short break and come back with Ari in just a minute with uh, talking about service. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, affiliates, do you find it a challenge monetizing traffic from the U.K., France, or India? You need offers that will appeal to all of your visitors, no matter where they come from. AdsMarket.com has met this challenge and has turned it into a science. AdsMarket.com gets results for publishers and advertisers with a winning formula. The combination of offers, worldwide traffic, and AdsMarket's up-close and personal media management is exactly the boost needed to monetize international audiences. AdsMarket.com. The science of performance. FriendFinder. FriendFinder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With FriendFinder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. XYZ Affiliate Market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No if, ands, or maybes. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up as a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate Marketing Network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance-based. Listen to what I'm telling you, because this is what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need indeed. You can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even comes with state-of-the-art tracking. Ready to start? You can do it a couple ways. 866-XY7-PAYS. It's toll free. Tell me what you waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. 
Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with Ari talking about service and talking about how he's grown a small business into a whole range of different businesses into a $35 million enterprise, one of the coolest small companies in the U.S. Now, you talk about uh, service, Ari, as like a religion, almost as spiritual work. And there's a certain quality of passion and commitment that goes into that level of service. So can you tell our listeners, how, how do you sustain that level of passion? How do you generate that passion and commitment, and how do you sustain it? Well, are you asking on a personal level or on an organizational level, or are you probably going to ask me for both? But where would you like me to start? <laughs> Why don't we do both? Okay. Uh, well, on a personal level, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think that anything that one does, if you want it to be great, you've got to have that passion and bring it to the table or to the to the field or whatever you're doing. I mean, it really doesn't matter whether it's sports or music or business or parenting or whatever. I mean, it's... I, I, I doubt that there's anybody who's particularly great at anything that hasn't put enormous amount of work. And, you know, we all have bad days and we all get bad moods, but realistically, if, if we're not bringing that super high energy and high belief in what we do and, and a passion for making it happen to the workplace or to whatever place, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to play out in a positive way. Uh, for me, uh, I guess, you know, a, it's the belief, I do believe in it. B, uh, we, we, I work at it hard, and I think that when you work at it hard, you get a lot of rewarding reactions. So whether that's from coworkers or from customers, uh, certainly helps keep me going. Uh, I teach it a lot. I write about it a lot. You know, it keeps me focused because those things, you know, put put my own bar right in front of me. And uh, you know, and then like you said, it's in our vision. Uh, we talk a lot about service in there, uh, and just sharing that with new employees every few weeks, you know, pushes me to get better. Uh, I teach in the service classes and the service seminar, which, you know, reminds me what I'm supposed to be doing every day and, and keeps me from sliding back. And, uh, you know, just basically, you know, one of our core beliefs really is just that we've always got to be getting better, and if we're not, we're in big trouble. So on a personal level, all of those things keep me going. So when, like, for example, uh, Jack Wells talks about training people, it really shows up in your calendar. How often do you do it? You could say that you're committed to it, but really, what percentage of your time do you spend doing it? So when you're talking about giving service, uh, doing your service classes, how, what kind of commitment do you have to teaching service? You talk about new employees and continual classes. What does that well, actually I, look like at Singerman? Yeah, I, well, I teach, I teach the new staff orientation uh, once or twice a month uh, at least, so that's you know, two four hours right there, two to four hours right there, and teaching seminars for Zing Train, which even if they're not about service, really, you know, include parts about service. Uh, that could be anywhere from uh, let's see, sixteen to thirty-two hours, even more per month. Uh, you know, I teach classes on organizational change. I mean, they they all revolve, they all com- include some component of service. So, from a strictly teaching standpoint. I guess it could be anywhere from four to six hours on the low end up to 60 hours on the high end. That, that's some serious time and effort. Now talk about some of the infrastructure things that you do. You talk about um, your principles as a foundational piece. How, how do your principles live in your organization? How are they taught beyond being in a class on a day-to-day basis? How do people get rewarded for them? Or how do you make that clear for folks? 
Well, the, you know, it's it's never done. It's never perfect. Uh, you know, we, we do teach it a lot. Uh, it's not just a one-time thing. I mean, they come up with really in every class. Uh, you know, I, there's no perfect answer and there's no perfect way. I think that ultimately it's a lot about just bringing it out on the table, talking about it. You know, okay, here's, here's a challenging situation, which happens all the time. Uh, how are we going to deal with this? And then to reference back to the principles and to try to get to some, you know, mutually agreed upon positive solution. I mean, you know, most value situations, in my experience, despite people's outside views that they're black and white, are really generally not that black and white. I mean, extreme ones are, but, you know, if you got somebody who's slowly getting better, uh, they're waiting on customers, they're not doing the greatest job, but you can see that they're trying and they're making progress. Do you stick with them? Do you not stick with them? Uh, you know, it's a values issue. Uh, you know, do you... You know, how, how long do you spend with, with one customer when there's seven other customers waiting and you're, you know, you've got all the help you can get in the moment and you're struggling? What do you do? I mean, it's kind of a values issue. Uh, you know, and these are difficult issues, and those are sort of in the moment. The second one's sort of in the moment. The first one is a little more more opportunity to be planful and mindful. But either way, it's you know, there's struggles, and I think these are real struggles that people, you know, don't often don't acknowledge. But... You know, we try to look at what the guiding principles are, and we try to, you know, arrive at a, at a good decision together and, and, and own that, that decision and make a conscious commitment to implement it effectively. And none of it's perfect, as you say. You, you can't be perfect at this stuff, but there is certainly an aspiration and a commitment. And a lot of companies I know, they talk about having service on the outside to their customers, and they do a pretty good job at that, or they yep. do an excellent job at that. But there's oftentimes a gap between how they treat their customers and how they treat their actual employees. Now, you talk about in your book um, having great service to each other and being polite, being supportive, considerate, you listen, you have mutual respect. Those are some of the things that you talk about. So how does that, again, show up in a day-to-day operation? How, How do you reinforce people giving good service to each other the way that they give it to customers? Well, we're very uh, focused on that. I mean, pretty much it's it's pretty black and white for us. I mean, you know, two, two elements. I mean, one is that we just say the same exact steps uh, to giving great service, and there's three outlined in the service book, and which is Zingerman's Guide to Giving Great Service. Uh, those same steps, which we teach in the classes, et cetera, et cetera, that's how we deal with each other, and that's how we deal with each other. You know, do we hit it right every time? No, but, of course, we don't hit it perfectly with customers every time either. Uh, but it's it's the same step, same steps. Excuse me. Figure out what the customer, in this case your coworker, would like. Uh, the second step is to get it for them accurately, politely, and enthusiastically. And the third step is to go the extra mile and do something that the customer, in this case your coworker, didn't really ask for. Uh, usually, that extra mile stuff is is pretty small uh, cost and pretty small time requirement. But it's the stuff that blows people away in terms of you know making them go, wow, that was really amazing. Uh, you know, the, the same steps are with customers, same steps are with, with staff. And then we have five steps to handling complaints, and, you know, pretty much it's the same. Uh, acknowledge what the customer has said, apologize whether they were right or wrong is really moot, uh, figure out a way to make it right. And, you know, it doesn't mean you just do what the customer wants, and it doesn't mean you just do what the coworker wants, but you got to come up with a win-win solution together. Uh, thank them for complaining, and then in some way that's, that is appropriate to the particular system, we document it. And it's really no different. I mean, I you know, there's days where employees complain about stuff where I don't want to hear it, and I don't agree with them or I'm mad at them, but 
if I'm doing my job right, I handle it just like I do with a customer where I also don't want to hear it sometimes or I also think that they're not correct or I also am not in a good mood, but I don't tell them that. I smile, acknowledge what they said, I apologize for the for their frustration, and I get to work trying to fix it. And works internally, works externally. And when, it, when you talk about it working internally and you bring up these examples that don't cost a whole lot of money and you get a way out whether you agree or whether you disagree, but oftentimes you just want to do them. And it reminds me of uh, one of our common friends, Vern Harnish. And at the same mm-hmm. event where I met you at MIT a handful of years ago, he spoke yep. about yep. this notion of giving employees what they want. And he mentioned this idea of it could be a high performer that wants a better title or wants more responsibilities or could yeah. even be more money. And, and it brings up issues for us or we feel like they're taking advantage or any number of projections that we have. But he really pushed us, even though it was a very provocative idea, to, to just do it. And like you say, you listen to what somebody wants and you do some degree of cost-benefit analysis, right? You can't just give them everything that they want. But after the cost-benefit analysis, his take is most times you're going to come up on the side of giving them what they want. Uh, has that been your take with employees as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's almost always a way to say yes and come up with a creative solution. I mean, it's, you know, and we're, you know, for instance, I mean, we're open book finance. So, you know, I'm all for doubling everybody's pay tomorrow. I just don't know how to do it and still pay the bills. But if you want to make 300 grand a year, I, I welcome the conversation because if you can help figure out how, how you can, I'm going to make more than that and everybody's going to win. Interesting. I, I didn't know that you were, are you completely open book? Is that, you're, you're the, yeah, yeah. the full Monty? The full Monty. Yes, we <laughs> uh, Yes, we are open book. In fact, we teach a two-day seminar on doing it. We learned uh, the basics of it very well from Great Game of Business, uh, the Jack Stack and Bill Burling's book, Great Game of Business, but I highly recommend. Uh, I'm a huge believer in open book finance, uh, you know, and I have we have used it for many years, and we've been big believers for many years, and then uh, the city going through, you know, the somewhat odd situations of the last 12 months, you know, economically, I'm an even bigger believer because I, I don't even want to think about what it would be like to go through these challenges without it. It's, uh, it's a fantastic approach, and quite honestly, I don't know why people, more people don't do it. Uh, no, it's it's really interesting. It's incredibly controversial, and and our company has done it for the most part over the life of our our business as well. And we've done probably like the eighty percent rule. Um, so it's mostly open book, and it's a very challenging thing to do in some ways. And as you say, when you go through the tough times. We thought, thank goodness that we've been doing this. Now everybody understands and has full yeah. visibility into everything. Um, so yeah. it, these kinds of, of transparent reactions also build trust with management, and I think that's something that you've certainly been able to do. And before we get off the notion of, of trust and service, I'm going to get into principles after our next yeah. break, which I do want to spend some yeah. time on. You've done tremendous work around principles. But the last question around service, um, you talk about going the extra mile. And there are stories like the Nordstrom salesperson who got uh, one of their customers a, a new tire when their tire went flat on the way to shop, as well as getting them outfitted with their wardrobe. And those kind of above and beyond stories become legend. Uh, do you have uh, a story or two of kind of going above and beyond that would be inspiring to our listeners? No, there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's millions of them, but... Uh... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really try to focus on just the little things because I think those are, I mean, they're sort of the big glamorous ones, which, 
make you cry and are fantastic too, but which I can tell you also. But uh, you know, sometimes I, I mean, it's just as little as you know, whatever. Somebody running out to the car instead of walking. I mean, it's you know, we drive up a uh, window at the roadhouse with a. 1952 Spartan trailer, and, uh, you know, people drive up to pick up sandwiches or coffee drinks or homemade donuts or whatever. And I, you know, it could be as, as, as simple as the person jogging out to the car, the staff person jogging out to the car and not waiting for the car to come to them. But, uh, you know, one that sticks in my mind is just, uh, it's probably three years ago, a uh, little later into the summer, we were having one of those big Michigan thunderstorm nights, you know, which are pretty miserable for business. Uh you know, and I just remember sort of walking by the front door inside and, and looking, and uh, Joni Mallory, who's one of the managers there, uh, you know, sort of standing by the front door, and I'm thinking, what's she doing, you know, because it's pouring rain. I mean, it's like, you know, hardly anybody in the restaurant. And, uh, you know, they have umbrellas in the in the, in the the restaurant just, you know, in case it starts raining, people can use them, you know, we can walk them out to the car, which is a nice service anyway. So I couldn't figure out what she was doing. I'm kind of looking, and a car pulls up into the parking lot, she takes the umbrella and runs out to the car to walk him into the building. I mean, it costs nothing. It's a, it's a slow night. I guarantee you that, that the people in that car, you know, will remember that for the rest of their life. I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you could spend a million dollars on a service training program and make all these fancy things, but, <laughs> you know, building a culture where somebody just takes it on themselves to actually think of that and do it. And I never thought of it, you know, it's brilliant. No, and it is the little things. I recently went to a kind of a word-of-mouth buzz marketing seminar, and that's really the kinds of things that stick in people's minds. And you probably have a customer for life for no cost, for just somebody's proactive and responsible actions that they did on their own, but based on a culture that says that these are good things to do. Um, so we want to take yeah, another absolutely. short break and talk about how do you build that kind of culture? What are the principles? What are the, how do you treat people in terms of recognition? Uh, so we'll be right back with Ari and, and closing up with some teachable points of view and some takeaways for you around building these types of cultures. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Your company's website sucks. You know it. 
Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. LPO, landing page optimization. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back and, and getting close to wrap up uh, with Ari talking about this tremendous success at Zingerman's. And we, uh, we've gotten to discuss around the notion of principles. And I just want to hear, Ari, in terms of your success, how much of it do you put in terms of your culture and the culture that you've built? I mean, you have a wildly successful business, and it's food. I mean, you can do really good food and not be nearly as successful as you. So tell us, what what would you describe as kind of the secret sauce? Well, I, I think the, the truth, honestly, there's, there is no secret, and I think that's the secret. I mean, it's just people, you know, it's never done. you got to get better every day. If you take it for granted, you're in big trouble. Uh, you know, in terms of the economy this year and all that, I mean, you know, I, I mean, obviously we need to make slight adjustments based on what's going on, but I've never taken a customer for granted in 27 years. I've never seen anybody who's going to show up. Uh, unless we give them reasons to do that, whether that's a co- an employee or a customer. And, you know, if, if you're already driving hard to improve every day anyways, and you're already doing the best you can, you know, it's it's really just staying focused. Uh, you know, the food's got to be great. The service has to be great. The, per- the costing and the pricing have to be done properly. Uh, and then there's all the unglamorous stuff, sanitation and, you know, proper training and, and, and the things that, that, you know, people don't actually see, but that, build the infrastructure around which people can make good decisions and do the kind of things that Joni did with the umbrella or, you know, that allow employees to make snap decisions in the moment when they're under pressure that are good decisions and, and not do what they do most places, which is shrug their shoulders and go, sorry, I don't know what to do. Well, you mentioned a lot of different things and then say it's it's no big deal, but, you know, driving hard to be the best you can and, and focusing on greatness. I mean, the term great showed up like five times in your last statement, and I don't know if everybody has the commitment to being great or has the humility to understand where they are in that journey and still trying as hard um, as you try. Yeah. So as, as much as you say it's no big deal and there's no special uh, ingredients here, um, Clearly, there's some special ingredients, and you're working really hard at it. It may not be one silver bullet, um, but a whole range of yep. things that you're doing, which I think people can learn from. Yep. No, I, I, I would fully agree, and I, I, there's tons of stuff people can learn from. We learn from our own stuff every day. Uh, just teaching it as much as we do, I, I guarantee, pushes us to be better. Uh, I, I think your statement about there's no silver bullet is really more to my point. Um, you know, there's no one fix. It's it's not like you just teach service and everything works. It's not like you, you know, change two ingredients and everything works. It's not like you put a mid-price meal on and the economy, you know, is fixed. <laughs> it's 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 a lot, a lot of things, and the food business in particular. I you know, I haven't really worked in a lot of other industries since I was in high school, but you know, uh, it's it's like when you go to the circus and they get those guys with the plates spinning on top of those long poles and 
you know, the way we do the food where everything's made from scratch and every customer interaction is handled really on its own, uh, you know, certainly the systems and the training and the infrastructure and the leadership are critical, but in essence, all those plates are going to stop spinning if you don't keep spinning them, and then they start falling off and breaking. And uh, no, nothing really sustains itself other than the status quo, if, if that at best. And like you said, I mean, it's our job to keep pushing for greatness and to keep pushing the bar ever higher, because I think if you stop, you're in, you're in trouble. So let's talk about that in terms of keeping things going. And we have another guest coming. I think it's going to be next week, Robert Fritz with the Path of Least Resistance. And he has some really, really important work around tension resolution and about what it takes to actually bring people through that cycle and so forth. And one of those eco-feedback cycles, as we describe them, is the idea of acknowledgement and recognition. Here's what you just did well, and here's what we want more of. And it's one of these simple things that I think you do quite a bit of, and it doesn't cost a whole yep. lot of money. So what would you suggest as we get into these nothing. kind of takeaway points <laughs> and things that people can do? A simple thing, uh, what are some of your lessons and uh, teachable moments around acknowledgement and recognition? Well, Maggie uh, Bayless, who's, again, one of the partners in Zing Train, taught me a, a technique that, uh, I don't know where she learned it, but it's called LB. Uh, it's initial, so L, the letter B, like boy, uh, slash N, like Nancy, uh, T, like Tom, and it stands for liked best next time. And it's just basically what I think you just outlined, which is, you know, I mean, she uses it in training, but you really could use it anytime you want. At the end of the, you know, training session, you might ask, you know, if you were on shift training, you would ask the trainee, uh, what did you like best about today's work, and see what he or she tells you. Then you would tell them what you liked best about their work so they have some context. Uh, when they tell you you're learning about their perceptions, you know, if they thought something that you didn't think went well, they thought it was fantastic, it gives you some good uh, assessment of their judgment and their context. Uh, if they are in agreement with you, at least you're, you're on, in sync. Uh, then you move on to, to next time. So what, what, what would you like to do better next time? Uh, and then you tell them what you would like them to do better next time. And, and you know, in a three minutes or four minutes, you've got a pretty succinct summary of, of, the, of the day. Uh, so, I mean, it's a really down-to-earth, really simple technique, but it works. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's not dissimilar to what Mr. Fritz is going to teach, but, you know, we do uh, also, you know, we recommend, I don't know, four parts of uh, positive reinforcement to one part constructive criticism. I've seen other ratios, but the key is that, you know, you have a ratio in mind and that uh, it focuses on appreciation and on positive reinforcement. People do like to know what they do well. Uh, most of us as overachievers tend to reverse that and focus on the things that need to be better, which isn't inherently evil, but, you know, for us it's motivating. For most people it starts to sound like a, a, a litany of all the things that are doing wrong. No, I think that's a great point of view is is focus on assets and the positive things. You can always learn what you can do better through hearing about what you did really well. You, you've kind of gotten those are yep. things that, uh, that were not mentioned, so those might be some improvement areas, but having an asset-based yep. Yep. view of the world versus one that's continually reinforcing your criticisms or your weaknesses um, I think is a, yep. an important shift that our school systems certainly need to make and, and our organizations need to follow in suit. Um, but as we close here, our a couple of takeaways, uh, whether it has to do with your principles, your acknowledgement, your service training. You know, one of the things we try to do yep. on each of these shows is just take the last minute or two to have the guest just give a, a point of view, all of your years of doing great work, 
if you can leave people with a singular point of view or a couple good takeaways, uh, and then we'll talk about where to learn more about what you're doing and your CDs and your books and all the great stuff that you have. But uh, one or two thoughts for people in terms of things that they can start doing tomorrow? Sure. Uh, you know, we haven't talked a lot about it this morning, uh, but, uh, you know, one, one thing that we do an enormous amount of work with that's been hugely helpful to me personally uh, to us organizationally, and I think to everybody in the organization, is that we do a lot of work around what we call vision. And basically this is starting with a picture of future success in mind, uh, so not starting with what's currently wrong or right, but rather looking at a point in time in the future that's appropriate. So organizationally, we've done it about 15 years out. Uh, you actually write it down. You actually agree amongst all the key leaders or whoever's involved in the decision uh, on, on what that vision of success looks like. So it's not a strategic plan. Uh, the plan is how you get from where you are to the vision, but the vision starts with the end in mind. It's positive. It's uh, inspiring. It is written down, and you, and you actively share it. And we bring that visioning work to everything. So it could be that's that's I've described it on a broad organizational level. But it can be as simple as here's today's special. Here's what it should look like. Here's how many we're going to sell, et cetera. But it's it's really a much more positive, much more inspiring. Uh, way to work, and uh, it's very different than the strategic planning model, which we also do, but the plan, uh, again, connects you from your present-day reality to that vision. It's not the same as the vision. So that's number one. Uh, number two, you've referenced a lot, which would be to really uh, put one's guiding principles or values down in writing and then to really talk about them a lot because otherwise, like you said, it's just a piece of paper that goes in a document or stays on the on the, on the internet, but nobody really uses uh, so that would be really huge. Uh, and, and then just to be really conscious, I guess, uh, other tips, you know, of, of one's energy every day and how well we're living it as leaders because, you know, in the, in the service world, uh, we really look, we, we teach a lot and work a lot of, around what we call servant leadership, which is something from uh, Robert Greenlee's great book uh, with the same name, Servant Leadership. And it's all about us as leaders serving the organization and serving the staff and the belief which experience to be very true that if we serve them well, uh, they will serve the customer well and that the rest will follow out from there in very positive ways. So I uh, appreciate simple things. And, and, and I don't know if many people think to your fir- first point that having a shared vision is about uh, a lunch or a particular meal. It, it's usually thought of as that three-year horizon, that big picture uh, idea, but to have us think about uh, having a common vision and having a, a shared understanding of what success looks like in any small matter as well, critical. Yep. Um, so great, great points here. I, I want to uh, close because we're running out of time here, Ari, but to find you, I know we can turn people on to Zingerman's.com or Zingermandeli.com. I want to also uh, say that Zingerman's Guide to Great Service was a great read. I had an opportunity to take one of your classes and to read your book, and I got a ton out of it. Um, you have, uh, I understand, another book coming out? Yep, uh, there's actually one book came out a while ago, which is Zingerman's Guide to Good Eating, which is on food, but there's a new one coming out July 1st, which is Zingerman's Guide to Better Bacon, which has nothing per se to do with service, but people do like bacon, so that one they can take a look at uh, zingermanspress.com, uh, and we actually did all the design and we're actually self-publishing, and uh, it's going to be hopefully fun for people, and uh Got recipes and a lot of history and background on bacon, and uh, hopefully some pretty interesting stuff. 
And if they wanted to access your training, if they wanted to learn more about uh, how you yep. do your work yep. and come to one of your sessions, how do they find out about that? Absolutely. Uh, zingtrain.com, so Z-I-N-G-T-R-A-I-N.com. Uh, and you can get it all. We've got uh, about eight different websites going for all the different businesses, and they're all linked, of course, so you can get it one from the other. But zingtrain.com will have all the seminar stuff. And then also... Uh, we just last year uh, started, we did really by, because of people asking, uh, training DVDs. So this is stuff that, uh, you know, larger organizations are buying and using. Uh, a lot of them are using it as part of their orientation now or whatever. Uh, the original one was on those three steps to great service that uh, I mentioned earlier, and then the second one just came out about a month or two ago, which is on the uh, five steps to handling a complaint. And uh, they've been really uh, very popular. we got people in... Other countries using them. We got people uh, in co-ops. We got people in big, uh, you know, street type firms. So, it seems to be working at all levels. Excellent, Ari. Thank you so much for your time. And I do want to also say, get some of his food. Zingermans.com. You can see the mail order business. They've got amazing sandwiches, delicious foods, all fresh local stuff. Um, so beyond all of the great takeaways that you have as a business leader, you should feed yourself well. Uh, in addition. So thanks for joining again today. And we are going to tee up, as uh, Ari did already with some of his ideas, Robert Fritz next week uh, after Ari. So look forward to uh, talking about creating, uh, co-creating the path of least resistance for managers. So some good stuff coming up. So thanks again, Ari. Thanks, Webmaster Radio. And we will catch you next week. 